For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. All right, we got another episode today, and this is a uh, impromptu episode. I was actually texting Kimo. Kimo's on the show with True X, and I was texting him, asking him when he wanted to do this, and we kind of got confused, and it ended up just being now. So here we are. Hey, Kimo, <laughs> how you doing? I'm good. I like your rocking intro. Uh, yeah, like it's the best. Well, it's the best free music I've found on the internet so far. I'm still working on the <laughs> intro, though. It's a work in progress. <laughs> yeah, some butt rock for the intro. That's perfect. Yep. I like it. Yep. So I guess for those of you that don't know you, can you just explain what you do right now with TrueX? I'm the owner and founder of Truth Excavation. I'm going to be in my ninth year starting in March. My role is changing because I'm selling my company. I actually have a buyer. My operations manager is in the process of buying it. And my goal was to sell it on the ninth year, which is in March. So we're pretty much on track to sell it and hit that goal. So I guess, you know, before I decided to sell, my role is just do everything. Actually, let's go a couple of years back. Before I restructured my company, my role was do everything. So I'd be the operator. I'd be the estimator. I'd go to the DMV. I was the office. I was the marketing guy. I was the laborer. I was, I was everything. So after I decided I didn't want to be stuck in the field like that and just tired of doing everything, I invested into uh, restructuring. Took the office out of my closet. It was literally, I wish you had a, a Skype or something. They show you my office, which was like a two by two room. It was just a desk and a chair. The chair didn't even fit in the closet. I had to pull, I had to pull the, the chair out to close the closet door. Nice. But I ran the company like that for years. I'd say a good seven or eight years. And um, it's probably how a lot of companies do it nowadays. You know, just everything. So it's easy for me to do it. I can, I can pretty much know the pulse of the company with my phone or my laptop. Why sell the company? What's the rationale behind that? A lot of people in this industry, if they're a family business, they, you know, they usually have a dream. If they, they liked heavy equipment as a kid and then they became an operator and then they started the company, then they have a family and they're like, yeah, you know, this is, this is my dream. I love what I do. I'm going to pass it to my kids. I'm going to have a family business. That was never my intention. My intention was mm. to treat it as a business. So I, I didn't learn how to correctly run the business, you know, until kind of the later years. But I knew how to make money, uh, and I, I was, cur- I was uh, constantly working on the business. So my intention was always to get out to sell it. And actually, the funny thing that really turned my mind was, um, uh, was it not Ed Milet? It was uh, Andy Versal. Oh, Tony Robbins. Uh, it, it could have been. Yeah. It, yeah. No, it was. Yeah. It was Tony Robbins. So I heard uh, just like some random ad. You know, I don't even really follow Tony Robbins, but it just came up my feed. And uh, the guy's like, what's your exit strategy? You know, he's like 90% of the business businesses don't have an exit strategy. They don't have a plan. They don't know what to do when they retire. They don't know how, if they're going to quit, if they quit, or if they try to get rid of the business, they don't know how it's not valued anything because they don't, they didn't build it up to sell it. So that was about, I don't know four or five years ago and that always stuck in my head because I, I always knew it wasn't a long-term thing but I, did, I had no idea what to do mm. so you're going to sell a business you're if you did it the way I did when you're the one-man show if you remove yourself from the business who's going to buy your business yeah what happens to your business when you're not there it'll probably just fall apart you know when you're <laughs> calling all the shots making all the decisions 
basically not trusting anyone else to do, to not delegate any of the tasks to do the work is what a lot of people get stuck doing so they don't grow. And then their, their business isn't worth, is, is not valuable enough to sell. So, so yeah, so the reason why I decided was to sell it is because it's always been that plan. Like my kids, I can't force my kids to do anything. You know, mm-hmm. when they're real little, I'm like, force them to go surfing and ride dirt bikes and they're just saving me. They're like, we don't like to do this. I'm like, well, I do it. It's fun. You're going to love it. I yeah. surf, you surf. So uh, once I learned that, you know, let them do what they want, you know, let them decide what they want, let them in, uh, discover what they like. And the same thing with heavy equipment, dude, they've never, like, I take them to work. I'm like, isn't this the coolest thing ever? They're like, not really. I'd rather go do something else, go to the beach, play basketball or something. Yeah. So that, that was like another thing. I'm like, dude, this is not, this is not a family business. Like my wife's not involved. She does nothing in the business. I've always made it my own. Like I separated the, the business from family life. You know, there's a lot of people that they, everyone's involved in the business, which I, you know, sometimes it works. Look at Goodfellow Brothers. I'm sure. Uh, the, you know, multi-billion-dollar company and their family business. I'm sure the family is involved in some part of it. Yeah. But for me, it just—I've—I've I've seen it happen. It happened to my old boss. You know, the, the guy I learned from, his family fell apart, and that was one of my core values. I'm like, dude, I'll never lose my family over business, over mm-hmm. money. That's—that's mm-hmm. that's not worth it, dude. I'd rather go broke and live on the beach and have my family and my core values, and it's—it's it's not worth it, you know. So I've seen a lot of conflict with that. Well, that's, I think that's easier said than done too. Cause I feel like a lot of people say they believe in that, but they don't practice that. I, I've seen so many kids forced into family businesses and, and you kind of just watch it from the outside. Like it doesn't really seem like they're too stoked to be there. No. Yeah. I mean, and some kids, honestly, there are a few people that just love it. They work, get, work great as a team, as a family team. If the kids aren't into it, don't force them. Yeah. You know, that's just like I was talking about surfing. Like I stopped forcing them and now they love the surf. Like mm-hmm. my son loves riding dirt bikes. I'm like, dude, as soon as I let off, it's like, like, don't tell me what to do. I'll figure it out myself kind of thing. Well, that's how you are too, isn't it? I mean, if someone tells you what to do or uh, you're probably like me, you're just going to go in the opposite direction. I'm so nonconformist. Yeah. I grew like nineties punk and in my core of art, I'm just a punker. <laughs> I'm just a punker that just doesn't care what anybody thinks. You tell me to do something, I'll go the opposite way. Uh-huh. I'll do it my own. Way. I don't follow anybody. Whatever the trend is, I'm just, I'll do the opposite just because it's the popular thing to do. I just don't care, you know? So once you have that, I think that's kind of what helped me do my own thing and, you know, gain traction as a brand because I really have a originality just to my own personal, I don't know, my, my personality is like that. So yeah, kind of just went through in the company. Can we go back to, to when you started the company? Why, why did you start the company and, and where were you at in life when you do, when you decided to start a company? Because you're still pretty young. So, I mean, nine years ago, you were even younger. And, and where were you at mentally and just in life in general? Yeah, it's a, the funniest story. Um, I had never intended to start a company. The mm. guy I learned from, uh, well, let's go back. I, I, uh, I got into construction when I was 18. I did... Uh, all kind of odd jobs. I started working when I was 12 with a paper out. Then I worked in the restaurant, got sick of that. I'm like, dude, I, I got to be outside. You know, I got to do something in construction. So I tested out all the fields, electrical, plumbing. I did a little bit of framing just to kind of see what I like. And I always see the guy in the back of, like all these, we, most of the jobs we did were all these high-end houses where there's just, you know, acres and acres of land and big houses and a lot going on. And I see the guy in the back of, Sitting down in air conditioning, like the easiest job ever. You know? I'm like, what? what how's this guy? He's not even sweating, dude. I'm like carrying uh-huh. bricks and like wood. I'm like, oh, I want that job, you know? So I never had like this infatuation with, with heavy equipment and trucks when I was little. A lot of people like, yeah, I was going to do this. When I was little. And I only wanted to do it when I seen how cool it was, like later on in life, you know? And then uh-huh. my motivation was because my, the job I had sucked. I, I just didn't want to like, break my back. So I always had that idea. And then it just, I just so happened to fall into that trade. You know, they're, they're looking for a laborer. And um, I left a super high paying job. I worked for a company called Tricy Marine Construction. I worked in Oahu on a prevailing wage dry dock. And then that job ended. Then I worked in Philly for a year on another marine based thing. 
So I was making a hundred grand a year at, I didn't even know how old I was, 20, 20 yeah. years old or something. I don't think I was barely 21. And, uh, I hated my job. Huh. It, was, it was absolutely horrible. I realized I had like eight different bosses, you know, and just everyone's always attitude sucked. Everyone's stabbing each other in the back. And I realized, I'm like, dude, it doesn't, the money doesn't matter. If you can make the most money in the world and if you're not happy with what you're doing, then it's not worth it. So I left that and then I, I got a job as a laborer doing, I was like, I'm interested in this backhoe thing, this excavation thing. So basically just started from, you know, hundred grand a year to like, I think like 12 bucks an hour <laughs> labor, complete, no nothing, bottom of the barrel, shovel, water boy. That's all I did for six months is I just, I did dust control and shovel and just pure labor. And, uh, I just had the, I think, um, it's just the desire to learn was so strong that I, you know, I, you know, you're all, as a labor, you're always trying to get on equipment. You know, in these big companies, their X company was not big, but you're any kind of seat time. You're just like, ah, oh, five minutes. I want to move the equipment. Yeah, I'm just going to learn how to move it. I'm going to learn how to steer with my feet. You know, <laughs> like I see the good guys steer with their feet, not with their hands. Yeah. So I try to like copy that, just move in the machine. And then I, I soaked up every ounce of, I, I don't know, just knowledge and, and experience that I could have. And within the year, I could run every single piece of equipment. I learned how to read plans. Like boss gave me a whole bunch more money. I, I didn't make enough money when I first started. I had two jobs. I, uh, I was a laborer from seven to three, no lunch. And then from four to 11, I bust tables at a restaurant Holy just shit. to make it. They had absolutely, it wasn't enough money. So I poured everything I had into learning the trade, but I had to do what I had to do. And then it's like a lesson for you know anyone coming up, like your boss sees how hard you work. You know, he's like, why do you got to leave at three? I'm like, oh, dude, I got to, you know, I want to learn this trade, but I don't get paid enough. I got to do what I got to do. And they see that, you know, they're like, wow, this, this guy's a good worker. I should pay him more money because he's, he's so committed to making it and work and he's working so hard. I'm just going to pay him more money so he can stay. I'm going to invest in this guy. And, uh, that's what he eventually did. He paid me enough to cover the other shift. And I just, I poured myself into it, dude. I, I remember taking home, I know how to replant. So he's like, you don't know how to replant, go learn how to replant. Gives me the, biggest set of plans like bigger than my head dude and it's just like go study that and i just take it home and i just i always be asking questions all my supervisors and people around like what's this how come this to me what's it you know how do you do this and i just learn it you know i don't think there was even youtube back (laughs) youtube back then but i just i poured myself into it i'd stay late you know i'd go the weekends all for free i'd never do any overtime and i'd you know, volunteer to wash the equipment or just something to get just a little bit more experience. And, um, then it paid off, you know, so like, like I said, within a year, I could do all that within like two years, it was running jobs. And I was so happy with that company. I would have worked with, with it for them forever. I had no, no desire for starting my own company, paid me a benefits. You know, I loved what I did. And, uh, 2000, I want to say 2004 or 2005, I forget the downturn happened and the guy closed the company down. He went out of business. Wow. So like, just like that, like, dude, you know, what do you want to do now? I'm like, okay, I guess I'll start my company. I, I guess I want to keep doing this. So I just, if I can't work for this other guy, I'll start my own company. So during that time, due to the downturn, I got my license. Oh, got my license, lost my house that I was living in, went through bankruptcy. And then I'm like, yeah, I can do this. I have absolutely nothing, no money, no credit no uh equipment why don't i just start a company makes sense you know where did you i got it but where do you get the idea to even do that so it just came into your head one day you're like well i could just do this on my own or did did someone give you the idea or how did that even come about i'm pretty independent so i um even when i work for my other boss you know like a lot of good operators other companies are owners or contractors like hey can you come work for me on the weekend and do this side job so i always had side hustle kind of going and it was my boss knew about it you know he's like dude go do what you gotta do on the weekend he's like i don't care so i was up front with him and i just i had so many of those little jobs that you know eventually you have a, you have a reputation as an uh, as an operator or just as a worker and when you can you know like clients would request me working for my other my old boss they hey i want Timo on our job site because he knows how to do this and that and he has a great attitude and whatever so it kind of just fell into place. Like it was, it was like the next 
step. Like I, I, I didn't plan on it, but because it happened, it forced me to kind of go, why don't I just do it? I'm kind of already doing this on the weekend and I have a good reputation to see how far it goes. You gotcha. Know? How do you even get yourself in a bankruptcy? Because I feel like that, I don't want to really glaze over that. I mean, how, how'd you even, I know you lost your job, but how does that happen? And how the hell do you get out of bankruptcy? So just like a lot of people, that housing crisis, it hit, I don't know how bad it hit in the U.S., but around the mainland, it really wrecked a lot of people here. So, I mean, I bought, I always joke about this, but our first house was a condo and we bought it. It felt like the very last day of the the top of the bubble. Oh. <laughs> like as, soon, as soon as we signed the paperwork, it's like the whole thing dropped out oh. like the next day. And Man. I was like, oh, that's not good. But uh, th- yeah, so that's why I lost it. I mean, just we tried for years to save it, dude. And we're losing so much money, and it it was just, it, that's what bankruptcy is for. You know, it's for people that were situations like that happen. And you know, we honestly try to do it. I had I got two loan modifications, which people couldn't even get one of them. Yeah. And I just, I, I was so meticulous, and like I hammered the, the bank, and I just tried to negotiate as best I could. And they offered me two of them, and it still wasn't enough, and I couldn't pull it. So. So that's how I got into it. But, so were you yeah. married at the time? Oh, yeah. I got married, I don't know, 2004 or something. So pretty much like the, at, when things were going great, before we had kids, um, my wife was a restaurant manager and I had my career at my old boss. And then everything just kind of <laughs> fell out. The, the floor fell out from us and then that's all that stuff happened. So, wow. How do you start a company? So you have no money, which I guess is kind of a good place to start a company at because you have nothing to lose, which is kind of where I'm at with my when, with my age. It's like, well, I have nothing to lose here, so might as well do it now. But so there, I guess there's ad- advantages to that. But how do you, you know, this is a capitally intensive business. You need money to go make money in this business. And oftentimes you need money yeah. before you can make any money. So how, if when you had absolutely nothing, <laughs> how did you go get money to get an excavator or skid steer or whatever you had to do to start the company. Yeah. When you're forced to think outside the box to make something work, you're going to find what, what to do to make it work. Yeah. It's just a fact. Yeah. You're back into the corner. Like your brain starts going, like I tell people when I first started, you know, I, I have a, a four ten schedule that we're pretty religious at. You know, we love our schedule. We love taking off three days a week and guys like, Oh, yo, I, I, I'll, I remember my, first part-time job or just routes me. They don't even know. When I first started for years, talk about how many hours can you work in a day? There is no day off. Yeah. Monday to Sunday, morning to night, that's all you do. Your brain is just thinking of a way to make it. You're hustling as hard as you can hustle. You're, you're taking any lead you can get in any job area far away from your house. It doesn't matter what time it is, how long it's going to take. You, you do these things to make it work. So as far as like getting creative, thinking outside the box, I mean, I bartered. I straight up bartered for equipment. I had, I'd see, I'd buy stuff like, you know, third, fourth, fifth hand. They'd be like, Hey, how's that truck with the, um, the weeds growing out of the front seat? Is that thing run? Oh yeah. I just need this and that. How about you, uh, do some work for me and we'll work something out. Just straight up barter system. Dude. No kidding. And, uh, little by little, you start getting just like, biggest the biggest piles of equipment that you, you can get just total trash and you just try to limp them along and make it work and then you slowly start making a little money you know and then back then dude everything was cash like there's you know i couldn't even get a phone i could not get a cell phone in my name because it, it, you, it required at least some kind of credit wow so I, like, I think i used my it's either my parents or i didn't even know if my brother or something like that like under their names so i can get a phone <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny but uh oh there's that and yeah then there's like there's different county programs or government programs out there that will help you when you're in distress so a company called meo was a a company that loaned me i think it was twenty five thousand dollars to buy a backhoe which is 28 grand at a 25 percent interest <laughs> oh five <laughs> percent interest but it was like set up for people that have bankruptcy that couldn't get credit and then you'd have to do a full like business plan and then tell them 
you know, report your financials and say how you're going to pay this money back. So it turned out that, um, I, you know, I, it was my first real start. Someone like actually was trusting me with money and I paid the loan off in two years, like a seven year loan. Wow. So I actually didn't pay that 25%. It was more like maybe 5% or something. Um, and it's funny cause that guy uses me as a example. I've actually spoke at one of their, one of their conferences cause it's a, a county backed thing. So they got to go, they got to go basically, you know, try to get money donated from the county. So they taught, brought me up there like, Hey, this is our, you know, star guy, you know, he started <laughs> with nothing and like a, you know, multi-million dollar company and they're, yeah, you know, just, Super stoked on me. Can but, you? Um, at, at, at what point did you get another employee? So it was just you flying by the seat of your pants. At, at what point did you get one other person to help you? It, yeah, it depends on how much work you have. Yeah. So if I, I tell a lot of people if you um, if you're happy working by yourself and you don't want to you don't want to grow and you, you know you're making a living living just having no employees just just do it that way. It's it's easy life, dude. As soon as you get your first guy, your costs go up forty two percent. Yeah. And Hawaii if you, if you if you pay somebody you know, legitimately, not under the table, like on the books, you have to pay for all their taxes. Yeah, it's mandatory health insurance. Back then I, I think it's everyone has to do mandatory health insurance now. Mm-hmm. Um but it's expensive, you know, and you go from you have one way of bidding, like you, you know your cost and your one man show. So you're just like you can pretty much undercut everybody, you know, and just you still make money and still be fair. As soon as you get your one guy, you're like, well, now I have my expenses. Went up. How am I going to bid these jobs? My customers, they're used to this price, but now I have this other price. Yeah. So it's like, a, it's all it's really doing is, is, is putting you at a level playing field with all the other companies. Cause I, for now when I look back at them, I don't like these one man show guys. You know, I'm a legitimate company. I, I pay for, I don't know, like 13 employees, 13 to 15 employees. I have their, you know, I'm, I'm taking care of their families. I'm paying for their mortgages, their health insurance, their kids. It's all because of me. You know, I'm giving back to the community by providing a job. Yep. You know, so I'm I'm playing at the level playing field, which everyone's paying all the taxes and insurance and all the stuff. And these other guys are most of the time unlicensed subs or one man shows. They come in and undercut everybody. It's like it's not fair. You know, it's like take away from the community and not giving to the community, which I wasn't unlicensed. I was a one-man show because I couldn't afford to have employees. It's something totally different, but I, it was it was definitely a shock to my my pricing and you know trying to get jobs because I did have a But to answer your question, like you just as you know, you get employees as you need them. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't be two places at the same time. If you have a, a demand and and work, you know, and both your clients, you, you, when you first start, you're you're like a people pleaser. You want, you don't, you never want to say no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're just like, I can do it. Yeah. I this. Yeah. You want me to be two places at the same time? Sure. I'll figure it out. And then at that point you're like, okay, hey, I, I can't. So I have to get another guy. And then you start, it just, it's steam rolls from that. Once, once you have one guy, it's no different than 10 guys. It's just, it's managing people, you know? So same and concept. When you restructured your company though, cause you were in the seat every single day. So you were out on, on whatever site you were. And I've been watching your stories for years now, well before I had build wit. And so, but then you went from, you know, not in the seat, not in the closet anymore to actually running the company. Was that a difficult transition? Cause then you have to trust, you know, you're still able to see what all your people are doing all the time, really when you're in the field all the time, but then you kind of step back yeah. from the field deliberately. Was that tough for you to, step back a little bit and let your guys just do what they needed to do? I had fortunately uh, some solid employees yeah. that I trusted. And that's what it really comes down to is you have to trust people. You can't grow a company if you don't give your office manager the bank account number. Mm-hmm. They, they have the, you know, if you can't trust them to write a check and, and manage your money, then don't grow your company. You're going to, you're going to be scared and, and always like looking over their shoulder and, you have to at some point trust people. So that's what it really comes down to. And fortunately I have some awesome loyal guys that just would bend over backwards for me. They do anything and I could, I trusted the judgment. And so that part was easy, but it, you know, you, you really, you really only have a couple guys like that. And I've gone through, it's so funny. I remember it was the biggest scare to get one employee. And from then to now, I've probably gone through a hundred guys. Damn. I just people come and go all the time. Why why, a lot of people, why is that? Why why is the turnover so high? 
Damn it. Lost you. Hey. Technical difficulties. We'll edit that part out. <laughs> All right. So going, Hawaii wait, <laughs> going back to the, the turnover, why have you had to go through so many people? Why is that? I blame it on, I would say, the workforce nowadays, the younger generation are lazy. I found they're unqualified and they're unwilling to learn. You know, they're unwilling to put in the long, hard work. A lot of people, they, they see a goal. They're like, hey, this is the coolest job ever. Look at this guy like I did. The guy's sitting in air conditioning. He's not even sweating. They want that instantly. They don't know how long it takes and how much dedication and work it takes. But just, they just don't laugh. And gotcha. it, it, it's hard. It's very hard work. When you're a laborer in the hot sun and just you're muddy, you're dirty, guys are always yelling. It's not yelling. You would tell me what you do. You're just a grunt. And you have to just, you want to be on the machine so bad. You just want every chance you can to get on the machine. But you're just, you know, some guys stay in, stay in labor for years. They don't even touch a machine. Like in the union, dude, I think there's like mandatory hours. You have to be a laborer. Wow. So that, I mean, not, not all young people are like that, but my experience has been, they just, they don't have the grit and the long-term vision and dedication to, to go to distance. You know, like I do, I don't even know. I got 13 guys now. Four of them have been with me longer than a year. Not one of them has been, has, has even, there's someone don't even reach six months. Jeez. They, they just don't last, dude. Well, you like, I, you know, you're a younger guy. So how did you find that drive? Like what was your, your purpose and your why when you were working your ass off in the field? I mean, how did you do it? What was your, what was your drive? Where was that from? I'm really goal oriented. Yeah. If I want something, I, I know what I have to sacrifice to get to get it. Like I know I can't have two things at once. I can't play and work. And it could have been from my dad. I, growing up, he did, he spent his younger years playing, you know, riding dirt bikes and surfing and, you know, which is all fine, you know, enjoy your young life. But I see him now and he's, he's working well in his sixties. Mm. You know, I, I had the opposite thing from seeing that. I'm like, I want to work now. I still had a great twenties, you know what I mean? My not playing, but I do feel mentally and physically stronger than I ever have hitting my forties. And going into it, and then now I'm going to be financially set. So I put the time in the work, and being goal oriented kind of got me to where I am. You know, it, I, that's probably where it came from. Just seeing in the back of my mind, like my dad's still working really hard at 60, and I don't, I want to be enjoying life at 40. You yeah. know, <laughs> that's always kind of been my drive. You know, man. So, okay. That, well, can yeah. you? Going to the play thing, because I know you do like to surf and ride dirt bikes, and, and you're, you talk about that online all the time. How Can you explain mm-hmm. the, the four-day four, four day work week, and how are you competitive in the four-day work week, and, and where did that come about? Like, Can you explain that concept and why it works for you? I did a 410 schedule when I was about 19 or 20. I worked a prevailing wage job. I didn't know what a 410 schedule was. Once we started doing it back then, it was, it was on Oahu, the other island. I'd work. Monday to Thursday, and then I come back to Maui Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I'm like, why doesn't everybody do this? It's you have, you know, three days to you have Friday to go to the bank, you know, you have Saturday to do chores or whatever, and then you have Sunday to completely rest yeah. and recharge your batteries. You know, what and the difference between an eight and ten hour day, I mean, I've I've done so many videos about it. Like you're so much more productive. I mean, if you think about it, an eight-hour day, you're really only working six hours. Yep. You have the first hour and last hour set up and breakdown. From what seven, eight set up, set up eight to twelve is your actual work time, and then you you have a break in the middle. You're like, it's lunch now. And then you come back after lunch and you lose another half an hour. Guys, you're just they don't have the mentality. You go ten hours, dude. You're like, you get a solid eight hours. You know, guys are on task. You get so much more done in one day. A ten hour, I'd go twelve hours. I'd go three twelves. If they let me, uh-huh. we just run out of, we run out of daylight. That's my problem. You know, <laughs> this gets dark, but the productivity, I mean, think about having a, you know, if you have to drive to the job site five days a week, how much money and gas do you save going to the job site four days a week? Mm-hmm. You know, just it, 
I only do four. I need four work pants instead of five work pants. <laughs> they do laundry less. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just, there's just endless perks to doing it that way. And then the best part is just the play. You know, like the, the guys love it, dude. I mean, you come you come back from a three day weekend and you, you hit Monday like, dude, come on, boss, what do we got going? Let's, let's do this. Let's attack this week. Monday strong, Tuesday strong, and you're like, oh, Tuesday's done. Well, my my half my week's already over. Oh God, Thursday, then that, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, and you're like, oh, then three days. I don't know. It's just energizing, and uh, yeah, the guys love it. So yeah, for me, I'm like, dude, I I want to enjoy my time off. If you're just gonna live to work, what's the point of that? What's the point of making money and not spending it? Yeah. You know, you got to have some kind of balance in there. And it, it probably helps you be a better parent and husband too, right? Oh, totally, man. Yeah. When you're, I mean, it, it and the negative of, of the, the long day, I mean, an extra two hours, you're kind of, you know, kids have baseball games and stuff like that. So their practices, so you, you get home a little bit later, but to have like your, your your parents be there full time on the weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, you you still see them every day. You know what I mean? But it's just to have a your dad just be fully engaged on the weekend is huge. You know, like a, you're not doing. Everyone works the Monday to Friday and Saturday. It's like, oh, I got to do my errands. I got to do work on the house. Like, you're not really there for the family. You know, but to have that extra two days of just being, you know, it's, you're just present with the family. It's, I think it's I think it's huge. Do you have to stay disciplined though? Cause I know like that's your schedule, but are there customers that are like, Hey, can you work Friday? I mean, how many times do you have to tell people, no, we're not working Friday. This is how we do it. Yeah. It just depends. I mean, I, it's in a, like if, if they if your employees want to work extra and do the overtime thing, then we, we can let them work. I, I discourage it because if somebody's working in the company, that means I'm working mentally, even though I'm not actually doing the work. Mentally, yeah. I'm working like some, somebody's out there. So, you know, to me, it's like I, I did jobs to make money in 40 hours, 40 hours in four days, 40 hours in five days. Hmm. I choose to do in four days. So that if, if you're not even, if you bid jobs to like always be working on the weekend, you're not doing it right. Yep. Your numbers are wrong. You need to go back to the drawing board and say, yeah, I'm working 50 hours, but I bid it for 40. But I just, I'll just work Saturday. I'll just work it the weekend the rest of my life. Like, what kind of life is that? If you're already blowing it before you get the job. You know, that's how you're going to do business. That's fine. Some people like to constantly always be working. But as far as the, you know, you get pushed back at first when you, you can't just switch it over. Well, I did just switch it over just like that. But I told guys, I'm like, dude, I'm available 100% 40 hours this week. You're going to get more productivity. I just, I'm not going to come here on Friday. You know, that's just our schedule. And once they, once they saw how much productivity we're getting, they're like, oh, makes sense. Good for you guys. Mm. It might be a little bit harder for them to schedule with, you know, different subcontractors and stuff. But I, I control my hours. I don't let someone dictate telling me what to do. I'm going to lay out, this is, it's my business. You don't respect my business and my hours. Then find somebody else. I don't mm-hmm. want to work for you anyway. You know, it's just, it's mutual. You know, if someone has their rules, I'm, I, it, that's the way it, the, the funniest one was um there's a company called Maui's Lock and they had the most ghetto hours for, I don't even know how long since they started Monday Tuesday 7 to 3.30 Wednesday closed Thursday Friday 7 to 3.30 nice they're not even working 40 hours dude <laughs> they're not even working 40 hours and they close in the middle of the week and that is their schedule and they've been doing it forever and everybody knows. Uh-huh. Once you know what their schedule is, you work to their schedule. You don't like it? Too bad. Go find somebody else. That's exactly the mentality that you have to have. You don't let people push you around. You know, it's, it's not. It's a respect thing. You respect my schedule. I respect yours. Don't push me around and say I have to do something because you don't know how to manage your job right. You know, if you put it in the schedule, it's easy. Hey, truth share Monday to Thursday. They get their 40 hours. Okay, I can I can make this sub come in at that time. Not our fault if you don't know how to manage it, right? You know? Going to so. the, the comment you made about, you know, if someone's working Friday, I'm working Friday. What's the mental toll like about running a business? I mean, how do you have to turn it off in your head on, on Fridays and the weekends? Or what, what's that like just mentally speaking, running a business and worrying about everything? Being an entrepreneur, you never turn it off. Yeah. I mean, that is a absolute hardest thing to do you're constantly thinking about it 
That's why I do no phone Sunday. So our, our family, we do Sabbath Sunday, which means no electronics. We're not even Jewish. It's just, we don't care. It's just like the best thing ever. It's my favorite day of the week. Turn off all the electronics. Take my Apple Watch off. <laughs> no computer, no TV. And you unplug. Wow. It's, it, it's so freeing. And that helps me not to think about business. You know, even though the thoughts always come in your mind, I can do this, I'm, you know, whatever. But as an entrepreneur, dude, it, it really, it never stops. You know, that, that is, you know, when someone works on a Friday, it's the liability. Like I'll get a call. Hey, um, your guy didn't come in today, you know, or there, there was an accident or it always somehow gets back to me, even though it's not supposed to get back to me. So, that's why I discourage the, you know, the weekend kind of thing. Yep. So you, but there's no electronics every Sunday. Every Sunday. If you need to get a hold of me, come by my house or schedule something. You know what I mean? Like, what did we do before cell phone? Right? I, I love that. We yeah. called ahead. You left a message. Hey, meet me over here by three. Okay. If you're not there. I don't know. Hey, we'll figure it out. Yep. You know, it's, I have to turn my phone back on by like five or six on Sunday night just because I got to get ready for Monday. But it's it's pretty much a whole day. We try to do like Saturday night to Sunday night, but not we don't we're not like legalistic about it. If there's an emergency or something, you're like yeah, use your phone. Or I gotta find a a number. There's no phone book, so I gotta Google it. Turn my phone back on, you know. But huh. most of the time, yeah, it's just turn them off. Yeah, just is it really that important? Like does does someone need to get a hold of you every second of the day? Not important. It's, emergencies will happen just like how they did before. And if someone would, needs to get a hold of you, they'll get a hold of you, you know? You know, you've been in business nine years. Have you been burned pretty bad? Definitely. Yeah. There's only one main client that sticks out. I'm not going to mention his name. I've said some stuff online. Yeah. But never mention anyone's name. But that was a little bit tough. You know, we've, we've been burned for little amounts real you know just stuff that really wouldn't make a difference this one was was really hard because i i did everything right and i actually i messed up on the job and i was my personal responsibility to go back and fix it and i totally did the second half of the job i did everything right did everything they told me to do and they still burned me so that was kind of hard but the lesson learned is just you don't not everyone's going to be a good client you know, hands down, there's always going to be a risk in this business. There's, you can't 100% trust every single person. I mean, you could even you can even have a good client and something bad happens to them. They go through bankruptcy, yep. you know, or somebody dies or whatever. You know, there's always going to be that factor. So it's a definitely, definite lesson learned, you know, and just that's contracting. You can't really do anything about it. I want to talk about fitness and health because we go back and forth all the time about fitness and health. And you're, I mean, you're texting me your nuts fit times all the time and I'm texting you my run, run times. And it's actually kind of nice to have someone else doing the same, same shit I'm doing. How important is fitness in your life and in your business and, you know, being a parent? I mean, how, how important is it to you? I think a strong body helps for a strong mind that gives you that competitive edge in business. Like we've talked about this, you know, if I see someone that's not healthy in their business, I'm like, where else are they slacking? I mean, if I see an unhealthy in their personal life, I'm like, where are they slacking in their business? Yep. Because it's mental toughness. It's like how we, you know, how Goggins says, dude, it's, if you don't constantly train your mind to do hard things, how is that going to show up in your business? When things get hard in your business, are you going to run away? Are you going to face them? You know, how are you going to have a backbone? It's, you know, I, I think it's super important. So to me, running, I don't like running. It's, it's not like, hey, I love running. Who runner's high. I've never got the runner's high. I don't, what is, that's yeah. not even real, dude. I agree what with is you. Runner's high? Yep. It's, I like, I like running because it, I like achieving goals. I like pushing myself to do something hard and getting better at it. I, that's what I love about running. It's like, keep doing it. But, um, it is it's super important. I, 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 that's just my main thing. I'm like, if you, if you can't control yourself, your body and your personal life, how can you, you know, where is it going to show up in your business? And I, it, you see it, you know, so definitely big competitive edges, edge. Have you, you have know? you always been so disciplined with your health or has it been a, a recent thing in the past few years? When did you really start to push yourself? I think when I started running, 
actually it's it's i've never i don't even like walking dude uh-huh. like, you, like when you find a um you go to a grocery store and there's, I, i'd always look for the I'd like five minutes to get the closest parking space because <laughs> I, I don't even like walking dude. I'm just, i hate it so late so when i started running just only what is two years two three years ago that's when i got into like real mental toughness like i always was goal oriented and i could do that part but i wasn't disciplined in my diet and my fitness and um i think that's really what helped me stay focused you know what what does a typical week look like as far as fitness goes for you uh not shit every wednesday 6 a.m rain or shine you oh, know yeah. that yep it, which is pretty funny because i just keep doing it and, you know it's just like the worst workout you just dread it but i just do it like doing it you know it's like that's same Goggins mentality. You do it because it's going to make you sh- mentally sure, you know? So yeah, I do that. I run. I've always had different running goals. Now my fear just pushed me over the edge, dude. Your 315 marathon is, I'm just, mine has been blown, bro. <laughs> Unbelievable. First time, I just, every time I run now, I'm like, God, freaking build it. Oh, yep. I better step it up. <laughs> well, my, my goal was 330 and even that was ambitious, but I was just, I, I don't know. I, I guess it, if nothing else, it was just consistency all year and not slowing down through the holidays. I mean, I've just, yeah. I consistently did 25, 30, 35, 40 miles every single week, regardless of where I was, regardless of how yeah. busy I was, I just did it. And it, you know, Christmas, I was out there running new years. I was out there running. Like it didn't matter. Yeah. And it all paid off during that race. Cause it's like, well, I've been here before. I mean, what yeah. it's just, you know, oh, another five miles. Great. Let's do it. I just did a bunch of those last week. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Uh, the only guy that does nut shit is my friend Kalani, and pretty much, I mean, him and my other neighbor. There's probably like I don't know, four of us in the whole world that do the stupid workout. <laughs> um, but um, he, Kalani, does it. Kalani, my other neighbor, do it maybe two out of two times out of the, out of the month. And we're talking about. I was like, dude, freaking build it. It's this tiny little white guy with glasses, no tattoos. And he did a 315 marathon. I'm this guy's a beast. I'm like, bro, this guy's a straight beast, bro. Oh, I don't know about Little that. Little guy just hammered it. Like, just, I don't know, man. That's a that's huge respect to you, man. Well, I will say, nut, nuts fit sucks. I'm gonna be doing it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> it really sucks. And I, like you said, you just dread it every time. I dread it. I, it's the last thing I want to do. Every Tuesday night, I have um the nut group text and there's like seven or eight of my friends on there and they never show up they've probably done it one time and yeah. there's only really one or two people that actually show up but every tuesday night i just hammer them like yeah nuts it tomorrow who's in i just make it a fact at a point to say hey dude you guys suck you're soft you know i'm doing it no matter what <laughs> and step up what what are your running goals for this year specifically what are your goals this year i know you you talked about them online a little bit what 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 are you looking to do this year and you know now that you're you're selling your business you're kind of at this transitional period so where where are you headed next what what are your desires yeah people think i'm going to retire and then i'm just going to ride off into the sunset it's not the case yeah i have other financial goals you know i want to i want to retire by the time i'm 40 but with the sale of this business it's not not the case you know it's going to help me invest into the other things i want to invest in and slowly build my my um retirement but what's the quote something about um you miss 100 percent of the target you don't aim for yep something like that yeah along those Um, lines yeah so i have a ton of goals you know and it's kind of counterproductive because you you really don't like some of the goals are so big that you need to focus on one thing at a time to get them done. But I broke them out into like, you know, like a personal couple goals for personal couple goals for business, couple goals for fitness, the running thing. And then I think I had like community or something. Like I, I, I want to be involved in my community. I want to donate once a, once a month, my running goals. I, I, I've always wanted to do sub three ever since I started running. The first marathon was sub four, which I hit my goal. Yep. I've always done a sub four marathon. And then I done 327 was my best. But I've ever since I started, I'm like, dude, I think it's what 2% of the population of runners ever hit sub three. 
and then it's it just gnarly. it goes low. Yeah, I mean, you go lower than sub three, dude, just you're on a whole other level. Yeah. So I'm always that's my mind frame. I'm like, I want to be elite. I want to be. I don't want to be in the crowd where everyone's you know sub four or whatever. Everyone, anyone could do sub four. That's nothing. I want to be sub three. You know, I want to be at that top level. So definitely that. Then you know, it's for me. I I in running, I just because I jumped into it, I didn't know kind of what the rules were. Like I went from never running at all to like I'm gonna do a marathon in three months. <laughs> and so that's what I did. But I didn't know years like the I didn't even know what the races were called. I didn't know what a five and ten game were. I'm like, how how far in miles was that? I had no idea. I would just like go. So I now I gotta go back and do specific five K, ten K half marathon times that I wanna conquer that I never done. So that's definitely on my list. What else? Oh financial goals yeah just oh yeah like what are what are some personal goals personal as a as a father and a husband i want to raise my kids to learn about business Hmm. definitely all the time and my oldest son is 10 and like right now i'm I'm, his job is to do the yard you know he's he's my my yard guy now and it's not a chore it's not an hourly job say hey this is the money you're going to get for it if you do it faster you're making more money. You do it slower, it's you're making less money. Uh-huh. So I'm going to give you this job, and I'm going to let you figure out how you can be more efficient at it. You know, maybe you get a helper, you um, you do certain you know pattern or whatever your protocol. I'm going to let you figure it out, and that gives them the mindset of like I don't want to be an employee. I want to be an owner. I want to learn about business. I want to. I was like, dude, you think about maybe doing the neighbor's yard. You know, you have the tools to do it. You can yeah. do this. Show me you can do this and then expand your business. So definitely, that's, that's funny because they don't teach you this stuff. You know, you go to school. I, I only went to public school and I only made high school. Never did college, but they never taught you about business, finances, investing, mortgages, and, you know, interest rates. Things that kind of, that mattered a lot to me that I, I found out later how to do from trial and error. Like no one, it, it wasn't like a, I wish there was a class I could have took for that. You know? So now I, I know there's not, I'm like, dude, I got to teach my kids that. Yeah. I got to show them the importance of being a responsible, you know, entrepreneur. Like it would be, it's, you, and it's not, there's, there's no, it's nothing bad about being an employee, but if, if you have the choice, what do you want to do? You want to run the company or you want to be told what to do? You know, and, and it's, to me, I, it's, it's my, my punkness. I just, I always want to be the boss. I always want to be in control. So I don't never want to be told what to do, but it's, there's nothing wrong with that. And maybe you know, everyone has to be at that level for a certain amount of time to, to get into entrepreneurship or whatever, but it's a choice, you know, and I just, that's for me, I'm teaching my kids, giving them that choice. And you just had to learn those lessons on your own, right? No one taught you or you just kind of had to figure it out through trial and error when you started your business. Yeah, definitely. You learn a lot of, um, you learn a lot of important lessons from losing money. Yeah. Just straight up. And it's like, you know, everyone says that I don't, I don't take loss. I learn a lesson, which is the mentality because you, you learn fast. You lose a lot of money. You're like, wow, what did I do to lose that money? Well, I did that wrong. I'll never do that again. I should have done this when I went there. I, you know, it just, you get really smart. You know, if you, if, if you can bounce back from your losses, your monetary losses, then you, you learn a lot. And another thing is, um, I always had a thirst for, for knowledge. So I, when, even when I worked for my other boss, I was, I was always asking questions, but it's, it's, who are you asking the questions to? You know, are you, don't ask someone, don't ask another labor how to do, be an operator. Yeah. You know what I mean? You want to go to the best operator. You want to go to the top that, you know, like I, I told, um, the guy, Saya is, is buying the company. I'm like, for the last, when we first restructured, my main job was to take two to three people to lunch every week. Mm. That's all I did. I take heads of companies, Chad Goodfellow, <laughs> you know, all these main guys, bankers, tax guys, lawyers. I just picked their brain. I'd spend a hundred bucks, whatever, and buy them lunch and sit there and ask a million questions. Dude, I've learned so much stuff just by doing that. Unbelievable. Yeah. I've done from those meetings, just like 
huge negotiated huge deals for the company, you know, with our fuel and our insurances and just a bunch of different things that I learned from just talking to people, you know, and, and it's, it's funny. You just, you, you tell someone you're going to buy them lunch. And what do they say? Oh no, I don't want free lunch. No one ever says that. Nope. No one ever says, I don't want a free lunch. Yeah. Just, I've, I've done the exact same thing. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I've done. The, I, and especially what I found is when you're a young person, you're not a threat or anything like that to them, or if you're in a different industry. And so they'll just yeah. tell, they'll tell you whatever they know. I mean, they'll, they'll be extremely right. honest if you ask the right questions. I feel like when, um, when people learn lessons, they they want to share the lessons they learned. Yeah. It just brings back a memory, you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And I, I lost money doing this or I did it this way. And it just, it's comforting for them to just get it out, you know, like, hey, this may, and it makes us feel good. Like I could help you by telling you the, the thing that I, you know, I learned by, by losing this or whatever. Going so, to that, going to the lessons learned. And, and I, I know you, you're asked so many questions online all the time. What is the, you know, the number one question you're asked or what do you wish you could just tell people and, and have them never ask again? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the number one most asked questions I, or, or what situation is a young kid say, I really want to get an excavation. Oh, this is my dream. And I tell them how hard it is and what's really required and the dedication and commitment and sacrifice you have to make. And then no one responds. It, I, I mean, I have a, I copy and paste a response for all these people yeah. and I just put it in there and I, and I won't get a response back. I'm like, dude, just, you want to know what it takes? Well, this is what it takes. Step up to the plate and be a man. And, you know, this is years of hard work. This is no overnight thing. So yeah, it's just that. You know, just, you can tell people, dude, if there is, that's my favorite thing to say to my kids. I'm like, dude, dude nothing happens overnight. All these overnight successes take years in the making. I think it was like Alicia Keys in an interview said one time, it's like, yeah, when I got discovered, everyone thought it was just this big thing overnight. He's like, well, that was like eight years of grinding through these bars and like writing songs and touring and eight years of, for the overnight success. Yeah. You know, it's just it's the same thing. dude. There, there's never a shortcut, you know, and, and it, it just makes the reward sweeter. You know, you're like, dude, I put in all this time. Look at, look at what I achieved. Look at, I, I, I hit this goal because I put in the blood, sweat, and tears, and it's definitely more worth, more worthwhile. How many years did it take for you to see any kind of significant money out of the business? I mean, where, where, like, where you could live kind of a little above where you'd been before. I think I say about two years. Whenever you start a business, you're always investing back into the business. So yeah. you'd make money. But then you're just, it goes right back in. After the first year, I was like, dude, I could make more money by working for somebody. The, the whole year, I was like, <laughs> I, I'm making less than what I made before, my old, old boss. Like, and then I'm stressing out and I'm doing all this work. The second year, I started making profit. I'm like, okay, this is cool. But then it goes back in the company. Yep. The third year, same thing. It just goes back. Fourth year was more like, okay, now, you know, I can buy a house, you know, have money on the side. And so the, Fourth, fifth year was getting comfortable. And then now it, was, it wasn't until I restructured, let's say, eighth year where it was really like, okay, this is awesome. You know, money's coming in and like I built this base and set it all up. And um, Yeah, but that's, that's eight years of just getting your ass kicked. Definitely the first three years. Yeah. <laughs> was, was the hardest, <laughs> but it did get easier. You know? Okay. Well, the hardest thing about us, us growing so fast is like you just said, you know, you make a bunch of money and then it goes, you, you're spending more than you make pretty much. Cause you're growing, you know, at this rapid rate and you don't see any of it. Like you get to see it come into your bank account and you get to see the checks. And you're like, wow, this is so exciting. But then you get to see what's going out and then you're like, son of a bitch, this is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I sure as have, like I, I tell people the company's making money, but I haven't seen any of it. Yeah. You know, I, so my advice to you is to, is to pay yourself. Are you on a salary? Yeah, small salary. Enough to live with what I need right now because I have no family or anything. And and if I had yeah. more than what I need to just pay rent and feed myself, I'd be buying stupid stuff. Yeah. My biggest mistake was never paying myself until way, way later. And I should have incorporated my salary into the business expense and bid jobs accordingly because it, not only does it help you with um, getting loans, 
later in life. Like it, you, you have to show if you're an employee of your company and you show a W two, it's so much easier getting loans. Oh my gosh! And then it just puts you in the habit of you know paying yourself. You, you always pay yourself first. Yeah, that was always you know same way. I was like, yeah, I, I'll pay myself when I have money. But if you never set money aside, then you never have money to pay yourself. Yep. You're like, you pay everybody like what's left. Oh, I guess there's nothing left. Well, maybe next year, you know, I guess so, it's that, it's that dichotomy. You want to pay yourself, but then you don't want to go overboard and take all the money out of the business that to use to grow yeah. it. So I, I guess it's that, it's that in between, but I, I mean, I was not paying myself. And then I took my financials to my friend's dad, who's a, a very shrewd entrepreneur and he mm-hmm. said, you know, it's, it's just dumb not to pay yourself. Why the hell aren't you paying yourself? Like you looked at me like I was yeah. a complete idiot. And from that point on, I was like, all right, I get it now. I get it. But, yeah. and, and so, and from then on, I've paid myself a little bit and we'll see how it goes from here. I, um, paying yourself and putting money aside and savings, uh, personally and in the company, I only recently started doing this. And that's another reason why I'm kicking my phone. Like, Dude, if I just put away 5% of every check I made, yeah. Five percent, dude. Ten percent. I'd have a huge chunk of money sitting in the bank. Yep. Like, just, like my paycheck now, out of my um, as an employee, I just I take two hundred bucks a week and it goes into another account. I don't mm. even see it. It's automatic. I live off of what what was my paycheck. Uh, you know, after it was taken out, I'm like oh, that's what I have. I don't. I I forget I even do that, dude. And it's just a little bit every single week, and you you see that grow. And I started doing that in the business. Like every check, it's five or ten percent we put in the savings account, and it's it started with zero, and now there's like dude, money just it just keeps growing. We don't touch it. Yeah, it's like you save it for a rainy day kind of thing, but it's a good habit of you know. Uh, there's a, a a book I read. It's um, uh, richest man in Babylon. I don't know if you read that. It's just such an awesome short book, and it talks about Babylon being the richest city in the world, and it's just like a financial capital. And then the way they did business, and it doesn't matter how much money you make. It started with the bricklayer who made just, I don't know, like two two coins a year or something. And he became the richest man in Babylon because he learned the principle of saving money, mm. putting aside a tenth, paying yourself, putting aside a tenth, and living off nine tenths of your money. It's just the simplest principle. Like it, you, you make it work for whatever's left of your money. Yeah. You make you change the budget to whatever it needs to be. But pay yourself, put the money aside, let that money grow and then invest that money so the money can make money. It's just it's the simplest concept, dude. And everybody says, I can't afford it. Every business owner when they first start. There's no money. There is money. You just need to figure out how to put the money there and get in the habit of doing it. Once you do it, it's then you're just used to it. Like that's that's where the money goes. It's, I put, I pay myself, I save 10%, I live off this, other, whatever. And it's just a good practice. Dude. You don't want to be like me nine years later and only now starting to do it. I'm like, I would have just, I would have been killing it. Dude. I would have hundreds of thousands of dollars like, in the bank. You know, money, making money on top of money. Investment. But no, I didn't do that. So. Well, we haven't, we haven't yeah. been too disciplined with that. So, and that, that's actually something I want to institute you know, now, and we're actually working on that right now, but right now, I mean, we, we don't have very much in the savings account. That's for damn sure. Once the money comes in, it goes right back out. Yeah. Cash flow is really hard. I mean, that kind of cripples a lot of businesses, especially when they first start. Yeah. But that's another thing I learned when we restructured, like I was always, I don't like being in debt. If I owe somebody money, they send me a bill, like instantly pay it. I'll write you a check. As soon as I get it, boom, Mm -hmm. sent, paid, done. I learned you don't necessarily have to do it that way. Like just for cash flow, a lot of these big companies, they don't care if they get paid the first day or net 30 or net 60. Yep. They're, it's just the process. Yeah. So for the smaller companies, I, I, you know, I always pay people fast. Like I just, the relationship is there. They know I pay and then they give me good service. The bigger companies, they don't care. They, it doesn't matter if they pay them on the first day or the 30th day. They just need to know they're going to get paid, which we do. So I'll, you know, a lot of these big companies um, that we work for, they, they, it's like pay, pay when you get paid. And um sucks for us because they, like we never get paid when like we always have to pay whether we get paid or not. Yep. But if you treat it that way, 
you know, I'll pay the bill if I didn't get paid yet. I'll just wait till the, the you know, net 30. Or, you know, a lot of times you can say, hey, I've been a, you know, a client of you guys for, I don't know, 10 years. Can I just, can I pay this next month? You know, we haven't got paid. Oh, no problem. Yeah, we'll just do a net 60, no interest rate, you know, no penalty. And people are willing to do that if you, you know, if you, if, if you have that mindset, you know, like it's just, it's just a cash flow thing. Good trick. I've learned that. I, I was actually just talking to the bookkeeper the other day. Like, you know, I'm, I try to pay things quick, but then I was looking at other things that were going way too quick for big companies. I was like, why, why aren't we using, taking advantage of the terms that they're giving us? I mean, yeah. they're giving it to, to us for a reason. Let's take advantage of them. And that's something I learned from yeah. uh, Andy Frisella's Cashflow podcast because he says, you know, if you have terms, use them because it's buying you just a little bit of time. And that, that, that you know, that 10, 15 days can make all the difference. Oh, but yeah, that's dude. stuff that people don't teach you, though. You just kind of have to figure it out. It's the school of Andy Frisella. Yeah. For real, dude. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, I, love- I know it's your weekend, so I don't want to take up too much of your time here in this, this impromptu podcast. Yeah, well, now that my sweat dried from my run, yeah. I guess I should go take a shower. <laughs> All right. I'm glad we could make this happen so quickly. I really appreciate you taking some time and, and talking with me, and hopefully people enjoy this. I I thought it was great. You have a lot of lessons and wisdom to offer through your 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 years of just grinding. I hope I, I don't stop learning lessons just because I saw the company doesn't mean I stop learning and growing. Yeah. So... Well, I'm excited calling to see where you go. Another, calling back in another year, we'll do another podcast and so, see what happens. Perfect. Yeah, we'll plug the new company, whatever that is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks, Kimo. I really, really appreciate it. No problem, man.